Praise the Lord. Now that we've worshipped, we've collected our offering, it's time for us to be able to speak the word. And the title for today is, If Only I Had a Cup Holder. And I'll explain that in a minute. And, and um, the, the, the central message is to be content. To be content. And it's wonderful to be here worshipping with you and being able to share the word of God. And I pray that that you receive the word of God, that you block everything out of your mind. If you've worshipped, if you've taken time to just clear everything and just listen to the word, I pray that the word of God just, just work in your mind and in your heart and that the truth of God will be evident in your life. Let's pray for the word this morning. Father, we ask, Lord Jesus, that you speak to your people. We ask, Father God, that the words spoken here are directly from you. Father, let it be only your thoughts, Father, not the thoughts of, of me or, or anyone else, Father, but only your thoughts. And we just pray, Father, that you just touch your people, anoint your people, let your spirit, Father, rest upon your people, and allow, Father, us to have the strength to be obedient this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So God wants us to be content and if you looked up the, the, the meaning of the word content, you'd see that content means to be satisfied, means to be gratified, to be fulfilled. It means to be happy, to be glad, to be cheerful, to be delighted. And who doesn't want to be satisfied? Each and every one of us wants to be satisfied and, and to, to have the things that we want. And, and God wants you to be content. God wants you to be satisfied. And and God wants you to, to enjoy the things that he has for you. He really does. And, and so I want to explain the title this morning. It's, so you might be wondering, if I only had a cup holder, what does that mean? Well, let me explain that. So if you listened to the sermon last week, you, you, you'll remember that I talked about my daughter and her bicycle. And so when she, you know, last week we talked, she, she had trouble with it. She got a new bike. She had this little tiny one, and now she has a big girl bike. And as she's getting on it and learning to ride, she, she kind of had trouble putting her foot down and judging the distance because it was a little higher. And so the first time she stopped, she kind of just tipped over and fell. And throughout the week, me and her have kind of had a laugh about this. And she thinks it's hilarious that I shared that and, and actually gave me permission to share this this morning. And so, so we talked about that. But the main thing about that was that God cares about your problems. God cares about the problems of that little seven-year-old who, who was having trouble with, with her bike. And because she had trouble, she um, cried all night and, and cried out to God, and she felt like a failure. So during the week, we decided to conquer that. So we prayed, and we went out to the side of the house, to the front of the yard, and we took that bike out, and we got to riding, and she was riding up and down the street. She was able to put her foot down. She didn't fall, and everything was good. I thought everything was just perfect now. She's just riding along. She's going faster than I would have liked her to go, but she's just going. And so then she stops, and she's looking at her bike and just admiring her bike. And I thought she was just content, but then she looks at me and says, Daddy, if I only had a cup holder, and, and I thought, well, yeah, a cup holder would be nice on, on your bike. You have a drink of water, you get a little fatigued. But the truth is, it made me think about those words. If I only had a cup holder, if, if I only had something more. I mean, we're trained even from, from early childhood to always want something more, to always just want something extra, to want something more. And this attitude 
this attitude is something that's ingrained in us from early childhood and um, it's something that we grow up as adults and then we, we start to, to, we just want more. We just always want more, you know, and it starts from early childhood. And, and this attitude is, is not a good attitude to have. It's not a good attitude to have because the Word of God tells us we need to be content. And if we're smart, we'll understand where this attitude comes from. It doesn't come from God. It comes from our adversary, Satan, the devil, whatever you want to call him. Because he wants to trick us and to make us think that we will never have enough and get our minds focused off of the things of God, focused off of the blessings that God wants you to have and for you to focus on material things. So if we could recognize that and we could just pray against that, we'll be better for it. And, and we can reverse that in the name of Jesus and just tell him to get away in the name of Jesus. And he has nothing else to do but to get away. But I know we can be content. I know I can be content and it's a matter of perspective. It's a matter of how you look at things. And, and I started to think about, well, let me think of, about a time when I felt really content. And I started to think about my childhood. And I remember when I was a kid playing in the backyard, playing in the backyard of the house where we lived in. And we had a big backyard and, and there was nothing much to it. It wasn't it's just a big backyard. And so I remember me and my brothers and my cousins, we just had this big piece of cardboard and a tree branch, and the cardboard was our, our raft, and then the, the tree branch was our paddle, and we've, we put this out there, and we would navigate this ocean of man-eating sharks, and we were just content, and, and I came to think about that. In those days, you know, I, I didn't think about what else I could have. I was just really happy to have this piece of cardboard and this stick, so I know I could be content with not having much. And I know if you searched yourself, you would find a time in your life where, where you know that you were content. And that and maybe when you were a childhood, maybe as an adult, but you can be content, you can be content. But of course, as we get older, we start to think about things like finances, we start to think about relationships, we start to think about the things we have, and it's easy to, for us to lose our focus on the things that we do have and focus on, on what we don't have. And in our materialistic and wealthy country, the, the prayer of, Lord, give us our daily bread is something that we don't always pray genuinely. You know, the promise that God gives us is that God will give us what we need. He will give us what will suffice, the things that, are, that we need. Just to, He'll give us what we need, but we don't always look for just what we need. We sometimes look for what else can we have. And it's important to understand and to learn to be content. It really is. It's absolutely essential that we learn that. And the way of life that we are accustomed to very well may change. You know, with, with the, the virus and, and the, uh, all, the, all the measures in place and how we come back from this as a nation, things may change. The way, the way we understand things, it's going to change. The, our country's being challenged right now. People are losing their jobs at an alarming rate, and you probably already know someone that has lost their job. I know I do, and, and, and they're losing their source of income. People don't know if they'll have their job when all this is over, and so it, it just brings stress, and, and, and so we're being challenged. The, our food supply is being strained. Right now, everything's okay, but can there be a time where, where we will be strained to, to even be able to eat? You know, it, it can be. We don't know, but the thing is that there's so many situations that are just out of our control. A lot of the situations are out of our control and our, our way of thinking needs to change. Our way of thinking should adjust. 
And if we don't change our way of thinking, it's going to be forced to change anyways. So understand also that by those who believe in God, God gives us hope. He always gives us a way. He always gives us hope. And we can trust in him. And, and I really feel like this time could be a time of great revival. This is a time where the church can stop thinking about all the things that we could have from personal things to things for the church and start focusing on who our God is and how God's light and power can shine in this darkness and people could come to the Lord and see who God is and lives will change, chains will break, miracles will happen, there will be a great revival. I really believe that there will be a great revival if we only learn to cry out to God. Cry out to God in our distress, in our joy, whatever it is, may we learn to cry out to God and to renew our trust in him. Renew the trust that we have in him. Imagine that if the church as a whole can renew their trust in God. How wonderful that may be. And Paul speaks about being content in the scriptures. He, he talks about how beneficial it is to, to be content. And we need to learn the way that he learned how to be content. And I'm going to be looking in, in Philippians uh, this morning. And, you know, Paul went through many situations, many different situations where, where, you know, that we haven't had to go through. We, you know, he was rotting in jail, starving in jail, waiting to die. Yet he was one of the most joyful guys in his time. You know, how could somebody that's just being thrown around like that, put in jail, you know, left for dead, be joyful? Because he, because he points to God, because he always looks to God. So, so what was his secret? What was his secret? Maybe I gave it away. He points to God. I mean, you, you knew I was going to talk about God this morning. But what was his secret? What was the secret that he had to being content? You know, and in his letter to the Philippians, specifically in chapter 4 of Philippians, we see that the people there in the church of Philippi were, were giving him an offering. They were giving him a monetary offering, and he responds to them. He's very grateful, and this is how he responds in Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 through 13. Now he says, and the word of God says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Now indeed you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And Paul has been in situations that, where he's been in need. He's been in situations where he's had plenty. He's been in situations where he's been hungry. He's been in situations where he's been fed. And I think we can all relate to this. I think each and every one of us can relate in one way or another to a situation that we have been in and that we could find ourselves in. Then we, we understand we, we need to be content. But sometimes we don't, sometimes we're not content. And I'm guilty of not being content, just as probably each and every one of you are. And sometimes we don't behave the way that we should. And I want to give a little illustration in, of my life is, you know, when I was um, serving the Lord some years back and um, I, you know, when I came into the ministry, I, I gave up everything that I had to serve in the ministry. Um, I had a job and I had a car, basically, and I gave that all up so that I can serve the Lord 100 percent. And it was frustrating at times. 
and I didn't have a way to get around. And there was a guy who was, he was living in the streets at the time, and he gives me this car. He didn't need it. And I was very thankful, very thankful to have this car. And I take this car to the DMV to get it registered and to get it smogged. And, and it was going to cost a lot to get it smogged. And I started, my, my thankfulness turned into frustration and then turned into anger. And instead of me being content with what I have, I, got, I started punching the windshield of this car until it broke. My son, you're here, you remember as you were in the car with me when that happened. And the thing that I did was um, I just called my pastor. I said, called my pastor at the time and I said, you need to help me because I'm punching cars. And, and he prayed for me. And so we don't always behave the way we want to behave. Sometimes we're not content. But, but the Lord tells us that we, you know, we can do all things through, through him that gives us strength. And let me tell you, it's easy to be content if we have everything go our way. If everything always goes our way, it's really, really easy to be content and we can preach it all we want. But what about when things don't go our way? What about when things don't go according to plan? Will we still be content? And Paul tells us that he's learned the secret, the secret of being content. And, and, he, and I've said it already a couple times because he leads us straight to God. And he says in that famous verse in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. He points us directly to God directly to God. And yes, we can do all things through our amazing and wonderful Savior who gives us strength. Paul tells us a little more. He doesn't leave it at that. He gives us a little more teachings on how we can be content. And, and he tells us that we, we need to rejoice. And if we go back a few verses to Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, he says there that he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And he says, I say again, rejoice. You know, the letter of Philippians, the theme that goes throughout that letter is joy. And he's telling us to rejoice. And he says it not once, but twice. And when the Bible says things multiple times, it's trying to emphasize that we need to rejoice. We need to rejoice. We need to rejoice. And that means that we can be rejoiceful even in good times, even in bad times. At all times, we should rejoice. As Christian people, we should be a joyful people. Now, I know that each and every Christian that is listening to me is a joyful Christian. That meant to be sarcastic. In an empty sanctuary, you don't hear some of the laughter that comes back. <laughs> but I know that each of us needs... <laughs> There's a few people out there and they're just kind of... We're just having fun here preaching the Word of God. <laughs> A little side note, if everybody's watching, we were uh, earlier before we were getting ready to, to preach, we're throwing a football around here, and I hope a football doesn't come flying in here while, I, while I'm preaching. But if it does, I warned you. <laughs> so we need to be content. We need to be content, and we need to be rejoiceful. We need to be rejoicing, and, and not only, um, you know, in, in good times, but in also bad times. We need to be people that rejoice. Because joy, our joy does not reside in our, in our consequences and the way we do things. Our joy comes directly from God. When our heart is aligned with God the Father, that's where our joy comes. Let me say that again. When our heart is aligned with the heart of God, that's where we get our joy. 
And, and just like the Lord tells us in Malachi to test him on that, I challenge you to test him on that. Align your heart with God and you will see that you will have joy no matter what happens. And in the next verse, Paul tells us a practical way that we can rejoice. Look at verse 5, Philippians 4, 5. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And a practical way for us to have joy is to be gentle. To be gentle to all. And if you've, if you've read the Bible and you've read the New Testament and the book of Galatians in particular, you would see that gentleness is part of the fruit of the Spirit. And it lets the church, it lets the church and the world see that we belong to, to God. If we are gentle, if we live that way, it, it just shows the whole world who you belong to. That you belong to the one and only Jesus Christ. The Greek word for, for gentleness is epiakis, and there's a, a, there's, a, there's a feeling of yielding in that. Not just gentleness, but yielding. Where, where we're yielding our personal rights. We're not only being gentle, but we're, we're giving up our rights. We're giving up something to treat others. And Christ shows us that by the way he became man. He is God, yet he became man. He gave up his right to be God so that he can be man and that he can get to the cross and that we can be saved. In the same way, as we, as, as, as if we show that gentleness, we need to, to give up something. But maybe you're asking, why should I give up my personal rights for somebody else? It's okay that God did it. He's God. But why do I have to give up my personal rights so that others can be lifted up? Well, he tells us in that same verse, says the Lord is near. The Lord is near. The Lord is near in a, in a sense of time and also in a, in a sense of space. You know, God is not far off. He is right here with us. He is in our hearts. He's not in heaven in some distant place. He is right there with you in your heart. He is right there with you in everything you do. He knows you. He can relate to you. He cares about you. And at the same time, in, in, in the sense of time, God is near because his coming is near. The second coming of God will happen. It, it will happen. Are we in that season? I don't know. But you know what? I hope so. And if you're scared about that, then turn to the scriptures and get unscared because the best thing that could happen is the coming of Jesus Christ for his church and for his people. Praise God. And if we're in the season for that, glory to God. And if we have to wait 100 years for that to happen, glory to God. But the fact is that God is near. God is near. So we should do everything that we can to show who God is. And we can do that by being gentle. And by being gentle, we're exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. And on top of that, it's enabling us to rejoice. And if we start to rejoice, we'll be better at being content. Paul goes on to tell us, that we should not be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and by petition with thanksgiving, present our request to the Lord. And if we're able to do that, if you're able to not be anxious about anything, if, you, if you're able to do that, if you're able to, to put everything to prayer and petition, if you're, if you're able to put everything before the Lord, the next verse tells us what's going to happen. So look what happens. Look at Philippians 4, 7. It says, and the peace of God. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, that's all understanding. If you could get all the understanding and all the wisdom of this world, the peace of God transcends that. It just blows it away. 
and will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So if you're asking yourself, why is it so hard to serve God? Why is it so hard to be on that straight and narrow road? Why is it so difficult? Maybe it's difficult because you're not in the word enough. Maybe it's difficult because you're, you're not letting God be the God of your entire life. I'm just saying that give God his place. Give God his proper place because he is God. And all he wants is to love you and to help you and to show you how you can be content. So we, we, we need to renew our minds. Throughout the scripture, if you read the scriptures, the whole the whole Bible is about renewing our minds to focus on what God is trying to do. And Paul, in this letter, tells us what we should be thinking about. He tells us what we should be thinking about. He understands that our thoughts, uh, the way we think, has, has something to do with the way we live. And so he understands that, and I hope we understand that too. The way we think has a lot to do with how we live. Amen? So we need to think right, because when we begin to think right, we begin to walk in a righteous manner. Devoting ourselves to good morals and virtues. And Paul lays out some virtues here and he starts by telling us, think about what is true. Think about the things that are true. You know, anxiety comes when, when there's false ideas that are unreal circumstances occupy our minds. That's when anxiety starts to come upon us. We need to think about what is true the truth, and ultimately thinking that the truth is in Christ Jesus. The truth is in Jesus, and we need to think about that. We need to think about what is noble, things that, things that are above the world's dirtiness and scandals. Think about the things that are noble. Keep that in your mind. Think about the things that are right. Thinking right thoughts. If we think correctly, it'll keep us away from, from quarreling and dissensions and, and keep us united in peace. And, and, and we'll be thinking about others a little more than ourselves because we're thinking about what is right. And that's what this, the scripture is telling us. Think about the things that are pure. And pure encompasses a whole lot. But a lot of it is it, it comes to do with, with sexual acts. And things that are noble, think about things that are pure. Don't waste your time thinking about things that are impure. Don't waste your time thinking about things that will take you away from the glory of God. Think about whatever is lovely. Things that are lovely, things that are attractive, bring people together. Bring people together in a way that instead of separating us so that we can be fighting one another, if we all thought about common things that are lovely and good and great and attractive, we, we might be more united. We might be more united in the name of Jesus. Think about things that are admirable, ways to, to protect ourselves. We need to protect our own spiritual walk with the Lord. So we think about things that are admirable, things that are excellent and praiseworthy. Those are the things that Paul tells us to think about. Think about things that are excellent in all areas of your life. Think about those things. Think about those things. Occupy your mind with the word of God. But so much of this world wants to take away our minds. Everything is pulling at us and pulling at us. Television, everything, sports, everything. Everything is pulling at us and pulling at us and pulling at us. And, and God is just waiting for, to get the scraps of our attention. And that's not right for the people of God. 
If you are a man or woman of God, God deserves not the scraps of your attention, but he deserves all of your attention. And if you do that, you will see that God will give you the things that you desire. And we're talking about being content. And if you spent your day thinking about all these things, if you spent your day thinking about the things that I just spoke about, the scripture where I got it from is Philippians 4.9 that says, whatever, actually it's a different scripture, but just think about this one. Philippians 4.9 says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So we read the scriptures, we learn what the scriptures are telling us, and then Paul's telling us, put it into practice. Put it into practice. Do what the word of God says to do. And again, if you do this, if you spend your time thinking about these things, if you, it, it seems like it'll take you all day. And maybe it will take you all day, but that'll keep you focused on the will of God. And, it'll, and you'll be doing what Psalms 1 says, where it says to meditate on the word day and night. Now, when the Bible says to meditate on the word day and night, it doesn't mean that you have to sit somewhere with the Bible and just all you do is read the Bible all day. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about thinking about the word of God, thinking about the Lord, thinking about the good things of God throughout your day. Yes, spend time reading the word, but also the rest of the time that you're not reading it, spend time thinking about the word and then put that word into practice in everything you do. In everything you do, don't compromise. In everything you do, do the will of God. And if you do that, your mind will be renewed. Your mind will change. Things that you thought before, you, you'll start thinking that you didn't know you could think. You'll start thinking. Things that you thought you weren't capable of changing, you'll be capable of change because all you're thinking of is the word of God. And let me tell you, the word of God has power. There is power in the word of God. Power to change your life. You'll be changing old habits, old habits that are born of the sinful nature for godly habits, born of God. If you only let God be the focus of all your attention, your perspective will change, and when your perspective changes, then you will learn to be content in any situation. And that is what Paul is trying to teach us. So that thought of, if I only had a cup holder, that deceptive thought that, that, that brings us to the thought where if I could only be satisfied if I have more, it's just that. It's deceptive. And if we focus on God and focus on the teachings that Paul is giving us, that we will destroy that thought. We will destroy that attitude and not be worried about what else we could have, but be content with the things that we have. And now it's a perfect chance to do that. So you have a perfect chance to practice that because you may be in a situation right now where you have lost something and you have a perfect opportunity to practice what the word of God says. And I couldn't agree with Paul more and he couldn't be more accurate when he says in Philippians 4.13, he says, I can do all this through him who gives him strength. You can do all things through Jesus Christ because it is Christ Jesus that gives you strength. It is Christ Jesus that gives you strength. So maybe you're thinking, I, I don't think I can change. I can't do it. I can't do it. I hear that a lot. I can't. I can't. And I can't. But get that out of your head and start thinking that you can, not by your strength, 
but by the strength of our Lord Jesus. And if you do that, you will change from the I can't to the I could. Because there is power in the name of Jesus. So as we conclude this morning with the word of God, I want to say to, to, to those that are non-believers, those who do not know who Christ is, those who do not know the, the, the goodness of our God yet, those who do not know the love that God has for you, you have an opportunity today, a chance today to change your life. You have a moment to think about, and this moment can dictate what you do the rest of your life. You have an opportunity to change your life and to be victorious and to allow God to be the Lord and Savior of your life. You have that opportunity right now. And if you would like to become part of the family of God, then just pray this prayer with me. Just pray wherever you're at. Just raise, do whatever you want to do, but just say, God, come into my life. God, I need you. God, I want you to be my God. And if you do that, if you come just how you are to God with all your heart, that will change your life. If you believe that Jesus died on that cross and he rose from the dead for you and let God be your God, it will change your life. And if you've prayed that, then I suggest that you just rejoice and reach out to somebody and let them know that you have opened your heart to Jesus, allowed God to do a work in your life. And don't stop there. That's only the beginning. From there, you just go forward trusting God in obedience with your whole life. And for believers, those of you who already know God, maybe you also need an opportunity. You don't need an opportunity to know God again because you already know God, but maybe you need an opportunity to rededicate yourself to God, to, to put your life back in the will of God, to put your, back, your life back to where you can trust in God. And maybe you're saying, well, you know what, I, I've... I've done this many times. How many times can I keep going back and forth? How many times can I keep rededicating my life to God? Well, the answer to that is until you're ready to be not doing it anymore, until you're ready to stop messing up, until you're ready to continue to serve God. You can do it as many times as you want, but that's not a, uh, it's not a, you know, go ahead and sin thing, but it's God loves you so much that if you mess up, he will still bring you and take you in. And no matter what you've done, he loves you so much that he will always forgive you. As long as you are trying and trying and trying, God will be right there with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So you, if you're out there and you're a believer and you've kind of you know, not been you know, in the, on the fence, it's time to make a decision for you too. Trust in God with all your heart. With all your heart. Times may be tough right now, but we can learn to be content. We can learn to be content with what we have. So my prayer for all of you this morning is to allow the Lord to be the love of your life. Allow the Lord Jesus Christ to be the love of your life and to shape you into the man or woman that he wants you to be. Rejoice in the Lord always. And be content, for the Lord is with you, and he will not leave you nor forsake you. Lord Jesus, I just pray for those who have heard this message. And I pray that your anointing, Father, fall upon each and every one and begin to do a work or continue to do a work in their hearts.
and in their lives. Lord, we trust you and we put everything in your hands. No matter what happens, we know the secret and the secret is you. To be in your will, if we do the things, Lord, that if, if we just seek you, then we can do all things because you are the one that gives us strength. And I pray that for all of us this morning and I pray that for all the believers across the world that we learn to be fully, fully committed to serving you, Lord Jesus. And I pray that in your precious name. Amen. Praise the Lord and want to thank you for listening to us this morning and we welcome you to come back next Sunday and worship with us. And may God bless you. Be safe out there and know that God is with you no matter what. Rejoice and be content. God bless you in the name of Jesus.